Talk, talk to me. WSRadio.com. Welcome back to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier. And welcome back. So a couple of the last couple of weeks we've been talking about this fascinating story uh, about recycling and e-waste recycler Eric Lundgren. So, Marsha, why don't you t- tell us a little bit about it? Well, let guest. me give you the quick thing. and It's been more than a couple of weeks because we've been watching Eric's trials and tribulations, literally trials, for quite a while. He's from California, and he built a really good business out of recycling electronic waste. He's now headed to federal prison for 15 months after a federal appeals court in Miami rejected his claim that the restore disks he made to extend the lives of computers had no financial value. Instead, ruling that he infringed Microsoft products to the tune of $700,000. So we're talking to Eric before he goes away to Club Fed, and he will be going away. Hi, Eric. How are you? Hello, Marcia. I'm uh, doing as good as I can be. <laughs> I can imagine. Wow. Wow, this well, is thank amazing. You for so, how did how did you get started with all of this? What's your background? Well, I I grew up in a very small town uh, called Linden, Washington, where most people are farmers, and uh, I grew up on a farm. And um, I started uh, at a young age picking raspberries and working on a dairy farm, and I ended up. Uh, going to my local bank to cash a check one day, and they happened to be upgrading their computers. Um, And the woman behind the counter told me that she thought that she had heard that these computers had toxic waste in them, and she was worried about uh, dumping them in a landfill. So I just, uh, that's the day I became a computer recycler. I put them in my truck, brought them home, took them apart, and, you know, tried to Frankenstein something together out of them. Now, but what kind of knowledge did you have? What kind of background that you could actually do this? Oh, none. I was 16 years old, and, uh, you know, YouTube wasn't that big at the time. It was, uh, it was a lot of trial and error, actually. And um, uh, I ended up building this, uh, this small recycling company in my garage, um, uh, and, and the sheriff's department swung by about a month later, and uh, uh, my mother got worried when she got the knock on the door from the sheriff. And the sheriff said, are you that kid that took the, the, the bank's computers? And I said, yes, sir, I am. And uh, he brought me out to his car, and I thought I was in trouble. And he popped the trunk of his car open and said, can you take our computers? We need a recycler. <laughs> so that, so <laughs> that, that ended up turning into something that grew into a recycling program for my school to help pay for uh, school buses, and then eventually that turned into a recycling program with uh, uh, volunteers, uh, war veterans at the Senior Citizen Center uh, for the city, and then from there it turned into working with Habitat for Humanity, the non-for-profit, wow. where the majority of the profits went to building houses around the world uh, nice. for the poor. So we, we ended up figuring out these ways to make all of this recycling generate value and then put that value towards really great causes. Um, so by the age of uh, 17, I was in Seattle um, picking up, you know, computers, tens of thousands of computers from, like, Coca-Cola uh, and giving tax deduction 501c3 to Coca-Cola um, and then taking that donation on behalf of Habitat for Humanity and generating uh, close to $100,000 at 17 years old on um, nothing more than waste. Um, and then that brought me to L.A., um, at the age of uh, uh, right before I turned 18, and 
my brother was going to college, and we didn't know how we were going to pay uh, for his college. We, we grew up in a, not exactly, uh, you could say I grew up very poor. Um, and so I, I basically said, hey, let's start a company. And he said, well, doing what? And I said, well, recycling. Nice, and he said, well, really smart. <laughs> he said, who needs recycling? And I just pointed at downtown L.A., and I said, they do. Everybody yeah. there needs recycling. So we started a company there doing recycling, and, and it grew to, by the age of, um, well, still, while I was 18, uh, we ended up getting the American Airlines contract nationwide wow. through a company. That's pretty amazing. Through a company called Heritage, and that was forty-five thousand computers a. Uh, uh, that was forty-five thousand computers a quarter. That's um, amazing. And so, so it just it just grew into becoming something that was much bigger than myself, and and you know we ended up getting twenty employees, and then twenty-five, and thirty, and forty, and. And I'm, I'm still 18 years old trying to figure out, you know, the best ways to recycle all this material. And I'm partnering with larger recycling companies, um, some of the biggest in the United States and the world, uh, such as Sims Metals, um, which is the largest in the world. And uh, I started to realize that the business model of recycling was, you know, we crush everything and we mitigate your risk by destroying everything. And I thought, well, that's a waste. Um, but there was well, no other... And I was just going to yeah. ask you, so you you made the decision, which I'm sure thrilled your parents at the age of 19, to move for China for five years. Why? Yeah. Um, well, you know, eventually I, I'm doing recycling in the United States, and I, 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 feel, like, I feel like a fraud because I don't have all the answers. You know, there's this percentage of electronics, the broken electronics, mm-hmm. the ones that are not repairable in the United States, that are all getting sent somewhere offshore. And I just decided I need to go figure out where these are going and what's happening to them. So I followed an e-waste container uh, from the United States to Hong Kong, and then I followed it up to the border, and they stopped me at the border, and they said, you don't have a visa. So I went and got a visa, (laughs) and I went to China. Um, Wow. And I'm I'm walking around Guiyu, China, at 19 years old, and um, I'm seeing this whole new world that we've never seen in the United States where where every single part and piece are being extracted and reused in new products and new applications, and, and nothing's going to waste. And it was, it was a really efficient solution. So I just dropped my bags and decided to stay for five years. Um, <laughs> I, I, went over with, I went over with a friend, and we get back to the airport, and I dropped my bags, and I said, you know what, I think I'm going to stay here. And he goes, you're crazy. You don't speak the language. You don't know anybody here. Like, how are you going to... And I said, no, I, I think I'll be okay. And I lasted five years. I learned everything about recycling, um, you know, the, the, the Chinese style of recycling. And I befriended a lot of people and made a lot of contacts. And then I brought all of the good solutions that China had. And they weren't all good. Some of yeah, them right. were, you know, you know <laughs> some of them were, <clears throat> to my standards, not, uh, not the best. Um, but I brought all the good solutions back to the United States. I, I, I coined it hybrid recycling which is not just destroying everything for commodity value, but figuring out what we can reuse for utilitarian value, which is a much more valuable aspect to society and to mankind if we can reuse things and breathe new life cycles into parts and components. And so um, this business model became very profitable in the United States. I started a company called ITAP, and that company uh, quickly started acquiring Fortune 500 customers because – we were the first company in the United States that was saying, hey, we have solutions to pay you for your waste streams instead of charge you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, nice, nice, yeah. smart. So that grew, that grew and grew, and now we, today we service 17 Fortune 500 companies, and uh, we recycle 43 million pounds worth of e-waste every single year. Um, and we're leading the charge for electric vehicle battery recycling. And well, for... now that you mention that, wait a minute. Yeah, funny. You, we talk about that a you lot. Built, you built the world's longest-range electric car, which had a range of 999.5 miles out of 90% e-waste. You want to tell us how that happened, and where is this car now? <laughs> it's... It... It's actually parked in my office if, if anybody wants to come drive it. Yeah. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, yeah. If anybody, it's right up at uh, uh, 8966 Mason Avenue in Chatsworth, California, at that 65,000-square-foot hybrid recycling That's right facility. near us, Mark. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. local to us. You're very close to us. Wow. Yeah, and, you know, it, it'll take you from here to Sacramento to San Francisco and back to here on a single charge. And we know that because we did it. We actually took it at... 70 miles an hour on this giant road trip um, just to test it out. And we went to Apple and visited Apple, and we went to Tesla and visited Tesla. And that's all online on YouTube. We, we videoed the whole thing. Um, but there were a lot of naysayers, so we ended up getting uh, Guinness Book Records involved, taking it wow. to a track and counting. <laughs> the judge had to sit there for two days and count each mile that, you know, oh as gosh. we're going around this track. Um, for two days, and we let volunteers drive it. About 48 different people drove the car, and um, you know, because the people get tired before the car is ready to stop working. Um, the, the is is it that, commercially viable? I mean, is that something that we would actually at one point see in the market? Yeah, actually, it is. Um, you know, so so I owned I owned an electric car, and I bought a brand new one, and it went 90 miles, and we're talking like two years ago. Um, yeah. And I just, I, I was, I, I was so upset because I couldn't get from my house to the beach and back because there was a mountain <laughs> in between, you know. Right. So the 90 mile range. By the time I got to the top of the mountain, it was like 20 miles, and then I'd regenerate some of that power on the way back down. But I couldn't get back home, and I oh, thought gosh. this was so silly, you know. Like this, this is a toy, not a tool, and we need to, we need to push the auto industry to start building tools because we need mass adoption. We need to get people. You know, getting rid of their ice engine car, you know, their ice engine uh, automobiles, and and adopting um, EVs. It's the future. It's the way of the future. So, I uh, I was told by everybody that you know the best range that you could hope for in a car is 300 miles, and that Tesla was working on that. Um, and I just I just wanted to see what was possible. So, but not just what was possible. What was possible from what consumers throw away. So I looked in the warehouse and started aggregating, you know, laptop batteries and and batteries from gaming consoles and batteries from cable boxes and batteries from electric vehicles that had been thrown away. And we built this giant 140-kilowatt-hour battery pack, and we put it in this car. And the first maiden voyage that we went on, everybody, you know, was fearful. I'm wearing a fire suit, right, because <laughs> we don't know what to expect. And uh, on its first maiden voyage, it set the world record for the longest distance um, out of any mass-produced electric car. Um, and but we, what, we what, it next I'm to, curious, yeah? what did Tesla say when they saw what you were doing? Um, a lot of car companies, uh, <laughs> you know, it, Tesla didn't comment specifically. People at Tesla commented and came out and saw the car. And I've been visited by a lot of um, a lot of. Auto enthusiasts, engineers, and the actual OEMs, all the way up to vice presidents coming out to my facility, 
and wanting to look under the hood. And, and I just, you know, everything's open source on my car. It's not, it's, it's not magic. It's very doable. And the reason why I did it was twofold. One, I wanted people to know it was possible. In, in, in this world, you know, people don't believe it until it's done. And so I did it. You know, we, in 45 days, we dragged this, this BMW I, you know, 528i frame out of a junkyard. It didn't even have wheels on it. And then we converted it into this electric car, and we, we, we broke the record all within 45 days. Um, this wasn't a long-term project. It was just, you know, proving a point of what's actually possible. Now, now, I believe today that if you gave me any electric car, I could turn it into a 500-mile range car um, very easily. And, and I, think that, um, I think that's where the industry is headed today. And I think that when we hit 500-mile range, you're going to see this range anxiety kind of dissipate, and you're going to get mass adoption, which is what we need. I mean, it, EVs are the way of the future, and I, I just really want to support electric vehicles and hybrid recycling, and this is a great demonstration to do both. Eric, and is um, your car, I before you do that, well, I was just going to ask him, is your car pretty or is it functional? <laughs> it wasn't pretty to begin with, but today, <laughs> if you go online and you see the world record-breaking uh, event that we did, uh, we repainted it, and it looks, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful car today. Well, uh, Eric, fact, I want to co- yeah. come out to your offices before yeah. you go away on vacation to yeah, right. uh, <laughs> take a look at the car, and I'd like to write an article about your car so you can be known for something else even, even yeah, bigger. Sure. How's that? Yeah. That would be great. And you know what? You should take it out on Joyride. <laughs> well, I will see you soon. So I wanted to ask you, getting to the crux of the matter, you duplicated a free online Dell Restore CD that instigated Microsoft to mm-hmm. press criminal charges. Why did you do this? I mean, I realize it was free, but why? <laughs> I get asked this question a lot as far as motive, and unless you know who I am as an individual and what I've done my entire life, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, you know, it, when, when, you, when you dig deep into it and you realize, I didn't make any money doing this. I actually lost money doing it, um, not to mention after this whole legal battle, you know. Um, had I known how far this Microsoft would have taken this, I, I obviously would have done things differently. Uh, but, but, you know, the overall... Um, what this has spurred, I, I'm very happy with because it's, it's brought a lot of focus on the issue at hand. And the issue at hand is recycling. And the issue at hand is the right to repair movement. And the issue at hand is, is e-waste in general. And how are we going to combat this, you know, this, the world's fastest growing waste stream that is so toxic? You know, lead and bromine and mercury and cadmium are leaching into our water table because we're throwing all this stuff in landfills. All this e-waste, and landfills weren't meant for e-waste. They were meant for organic material. I agree. We just need to find a solution, and the solution is not this, you know, use and toss society that we have today, Um, although that's what's being promoted. That's what's being promoted by... All of the all of the OEMs that profit from the, right. the wasteful consumer practices. They just, so, you know, who really needs a new iPhone every year? I mean, and just tossing the yeah. old one. We're wasting so much <laughs> of our natural resources that it's crazy. Mark had a question for you. Mark. Yeah, I mean, uh, so at the end of the day, you did this, and clearly there was confusion in, with the lawyers, with the judges. Nobody seemed to really get this right. So how is Microsoft able to put you in prison for this? 
it, it's technicality, um, and it's 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 a judge that didn't understand the difference between licenses and free software. Um, the software itself, you can download for free on the internet. It comes for free with your computer. Um, it is uh, not what you're paying for. Um, Microsoft doesn't even sell the software, um, and, and, and they give every OEM the right to produce as many as they want, and Microsoft doesn't profit off of this software. They don't sell it, they don't profit off of it, and you can download it for free, but they sell licenses. And the software itself, by me providing it to consumers, I am helping them repair their legally owned software. Yeah, so they're, they're you're, you're helping them legally out. Owned computer. It's kind of like and an a oil lot change of, for a car. Yeah, and a yeah, lot of, of times old OSs still work well. I, have a, I even have a Vista computer I still use. So, yeah, I mean, and, and that's the problem. Microsoft was losing market share because people stopped buying new computers as quickly. And so, uh, you know, they, they created this MRR program, which is basically a way to double dip or to reprofit off of computers that already have the license rights to their software. Um, and, and basically, they're trying to figure out a way to, to, to sell a new license for a system that already has a license. Um, and, and I just have a problem with that. It's not economically feasible. And if Microsoft pushes that sort of a mandate on society, what they're really doing is pushing millions of pounds worth of e-waste into landfills. Um, mm, if, I yeah, have yeah. A, if I have a $99 laptop that, that I'm going to go ahead and sell to a, a single mother or to a child that you know, wants to do homework or maybe overseas to bridge the technological divide, to third world countries, which, you know, we do 50,000 of a year. Um, and when we're, when we're sending these laptops overseas, you know, if, if the laptop, if, if I spend $25 to repair the laptop and I spend $25 on the laptop and Microsoft wants $25 for a new license fee that the laptop already has, well, now it's just not economically feasible for me to sell that laptop for $75 or $100. So, so, you know, they're setting a new price point, which is going to, um, by double dipping, it, it, it takes all the product that could be used that's still functional in society and makes it illegal to use it. I mean, I'm going to prison for this. So it's, okay, it's, so as you prepare to go to prison for recycling, I mean, a lot of people have been talking about a lot of people support you. A lot of people think this is just uh, terrible. I mean, one of our listeners said, no good deed goes unpunished. Mm. What do you hope will come from all of this as, as we close out the show? Um, I, just, I, I hope that people can start talking about this, that we can raise awareness for the right to repair, that we can understand plot, planned obsolescence, uh, and, and that, you know, we can kind of start focusing on how we're going to fix the world's e-waste epidemic. Um, we need to find solutions that close the loop so that we need to start recycling, we need to start reusing, we need to, we need to empower people to start repairing their legally owned property so that that way everybody gets to live a life of abundance, you know. And You know, if, we've if, been talking about that on the show quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Because mm -hmm. uh, I've always done what I call computer surgery. Something doesn't work, you replace the part. Simple, easy. A computer fully dies. 
uh, take out the hard drive, put it in a case. You can use it yeah. with something else. Um, <laughs> and, there's and, and no let's say, reason. Let's say you don't want to. If you don't want to do this, let's say you're too busy, right? It, it ends up getting to a recycler, hopefully. Do not throw this stuff away. Get it to a recycler or, or, or refresh right. it or, or reinstall. You know, use your restore CD and then give it away. Or, you know, keep technology working for the benefit of mankind. And if, and if you're too busy to do it, then let somebody else do it. But don't, don't, don't persecute them or, or, you know, put them in prison for trying to help everybody recycle. I hope I'm the, the, I know I'm the first person to go to prison for this, but I hope I'm the last. Wow. Um, and how it, are you preparing for your, heart. how do you prepare for your journey for the next 15 months? And when do you report? Oh, I, I report in 30 days, and um, I'm going to be walking into Sheraton in Oregon um, and self-surrendering there. Um, and I, I just, uh, you know, the, the, how, how do you prepare? That's, that's a hard question to answer. I guess you, just, yeah. you, try, you try to make the best of it. I, I want to see if I can turn lemons into lemonade from prison. I want to see how I can help that system so that when I leave, that system's a better place. That that would well, be great, I, and I we would, will yeah. be glad to be in touch with you if you're allowed to talk to people yes. or whatever. I'm going to try and make it to your facility to take a look at that car before you go, and we'll talk offline. But know that we support you. I've been using hashtag right to repair for a long time. Uh, this is something we really need, and, and I want to thank you. I mean, you've made a sacrifice, and let's just hope the word gets out. And this archive is going to be on all our network and a lot of other networks. And let's hope people will listen. Yeah, Eric, we well, wish you, you the best. We do. We wish you the best and be safe. And uh, we'll see you hopefully or talk to you before, if not after you get out. Thank you, Mark. Long live repair. Thank you both. You bet. Long yeah, live Eric, repair. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, there you go. Wow. Thank you so much, Eric. Take care. Wow. Uh, it's quite a story. It's re really it is. Well, fascinating story. And who knows? He'll get the... Uh, uh, the prison computers up and running properly, and uh, yeah, well, sure Kurt Boothman suggested we have a last meal at Brent's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a great idea. Yeah, uh, and I want to just... get out there and take a look at the car because I want I, wa I want to meet Eric. I think he's a hero to a lot of people. And yeah, uh, Diana Adams just said he has such a great attitude about the whole thing, and he does, he does. because this is so important. This is not something he he's standing for for people and he's standing for our you know we all talk about global warming and blah 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 and yet we all, all buy right. a new phone everybody buys a new phone every year it's really time that we stop filling our landfills with electronics you know and i and i also wonder if microsoft doesn't look back on this and go eh, maybe we didn't need to press this who knows uh or maybe they're well, no, overjoyed uh, and thrilled I, I, by it i did not i did not bring it up and I spoke to Eric last night about this. Microsoft did send out a post last night that was not very pleasant about oh, this really? whole thing. Yeah. You mean so, the, no, the... I don't think Microsoft is going to go soft on this. Oh, so they don't feel bad about it. <laughs> They're not no, having they, any remorse over this. No, they totally blame Eric. Totally blame Eric that, that this is all. Okay. But, you know, even if he did make a mistake, which he may have, my point is, it's opening the door to a discussion. And to be honest, I don't know. I can't wait to talk to him when he gets out and find out what 15 months in Club Fed are like.
Yeah. I mean, it yeah, didn't hurt is, Martha that is Stewart. The present. She lost no, weight. Well, you know? right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just uh, seems like a real good guy and very uh, and developed quite a business out of recycling. And you know, how often have you or someone you know thrown your old computers in the trash because you really don't want to drive to the recycling place? And eh, I don't care about this. I pulled out the hard drive, and the rest of it goes in the trash. And people do that all the time. You know, yeah, hopefully well, they, you know, they throw it in And the there's so many valuable metals and, and things that are in computers that can be reused. So it just makes a lot of sense. I mean, I understand he also had clients in Ghana, Africa. I mean, he, American Airlines. I know he worked with Lenovo, too. I mean, right. think yeah, about he's this. He's had a lot of big this companies. Is, what a smart yeah. young man. Yeah, good well, him. good luck to you, Eric. We wish you well. And uh, that is it for us. Hope you enjoyed the story and the rest of the show. We'll be back with you next weekend uh, with some more, I'm sure, fascinating things. So, as always, we ask you, please do not drink and drive. We want you back with us next week. You are listening to Computer and Technology Radio on WS Radio. We are the worldwide leader in Internet talk. Have a good one, everybody. Bye-bye. Have a great week. You've been listening to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier. Produced by Brain Food Radio Syndication, global food for thought. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Hi, Scale listener. This is David Finkel, co-host with Jeff Hoffman of Scale Your Business Radio. I wanted to let you know that our newest book, Scale, was just released and encourage you to get your copy. The book will give you seven proven principles to grow your business and get your life back. It's for every entrepreneur who ever wondered if they really own their business or if their business owns them. It'll help you to work less by getting your business to produce more. Get your copy online or at your local bookseller. For more information, go to ScaleYourBusinessToolkit.com. Do you want to be a professional coach? Are you in business trying to make a real difference with people you manage or work with? Have you started a coaching practice that isn't quite getting off the ground? Get the skills you need to be a successful coach today with the Coach's Training Program from Accomplishment Coaching. The Coach's Training Program will show you how to help others focus and be more fulfilled. Whether you want to improve your company's bottom line or create a thriving coaching practice, Accomplishment Coaching can give you the distinctions and practices you need to coach others effectively today. Accomplishment Coaching has spent six years developing a cutting-edge coaches training program that will have you ready to coach people professionally in just 12 months, and you don't have to take time off work to do it. To find out more about the coaches training program, just call 1-888-548-6813. That's 1-888-548-6813. Kenja Dixon was crowned the number one sales executive through hard work, deep thinking, and the revelation of universal talk laws. He now wants to share these lessons with you. Universal talk laws are what you need to know and use in business and at home to have successful and effective conversations. Kenja Dixon shares his wisdom, action plans, and wealth. 
Each book comes with a chance to win $10,000. Find Universal Talk Laws at KenjaDixon.com. Hi, this is Rob Barnett, CM founder of VinVillage.com and the Wine and Dine Show on VinVillage Radio. Do you have a wine, event, product, or service to promote? Then contact VinVillage.com to reach thousands of wine lovers across the country. VinVillage connects like-minded wine enthusiasts with unique and exclusive wines, events, products, and services. To learn more, contact us on VinVillage.com. VinVillage is where wine lovers connect. 